This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and today we have kind of a special podcast slash webinar because we are working with almost, <laughs> we're getting close to 100 people on this webinar. And this webinar was special for our lifetime clients. Um, if you're not familiar with Eat Perform, we have almost 5,000 lifetime clients. And uh, if you, I've already done this once, so people that are listening to it um, have already heard it. So I'm going to kind of go a, a little quickly. But at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that we wanted to kind of change related to the process of um, dieting is that we wanted to focus our incentives on the thing that give you the best health and not necessarily um, like as an example, if we based all of our memberships around you losing the most weight in the quickest amount of time, that would not be in line with our, you know, corporate philosophy. And so that's how we came up with lifetime because what we want to do is be a lifetime solution for people. And so the, uh, people on this call, you know, once their lifetime, uh, whatever they chose, um, they will then be done with memberships forever, which is kind of the way I like to do it, right? And so uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there because these are going to be a little bit more advanced topics than many of you might be accustomed to. And so kind of keep that in mind as we go. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen and then we're going to walk through a file. And through that file, I'm going to try and explain it as much as possible as we're going, right? So this is someone that I've been working with for quite some time. Um, and even, even the graph that people are seeing right now, it goes much farther than this graph, right? And so if you look at, you know, what she came to us and her weight, it's really not representative of like her whole journey, right? And so I think if you talk to her and asked her uh, what that first phase of the journey was like, it was about kind of getting serious, right? And when we look at, like, if you're looking directly at the screen, she started at 149. Currently, she's actually at 152, which, you know, if you're listening to this, you're going, wow, that's a really bad result. Um, not necessarily, because, you know, in the process of kind of fixing her dieting history, you know, her weight, because of kind of a... Um, a lack of specifics, right? I'm, not, I'm trying not to bust her out here because she's, she's done great in this last year. But when we first started, you know, she would try some intuitive eating and she would try all these different things and kind of the big appeal to eat and perform. And one of the things that I think does make us different is that we're not one of these places that you can do 80% and be fine, right? Um, I don't think any place is going to be fine with 80%, but, but that's another story for another day. 
When you are adding food though, um, and you're increasing macros as you go, it does allow for a lot more flexibility. And I think what happened in the early part of this file was that, um, you know, some of that lack of, of seriousness sort of allowed for um, the weight to creep up. And then eventually she really buckled down. She lives in Montreal, which if you're not familiar, has a phenomenal food scene. And then of course, some of this would have been, you know, early on in COVID. And um, I would say around, let's see, it's looking like July or August was when she got really super serious. So the point of what we're going to walk through right now is what comes next, right? Because there's probably many of you out there that are in a similar boat. You've reached your goals or maybe you have a next level of goals, right? So I want to talk about what those next level of goals might be. So she's 5'3". Now she's posted pictures in her journal and all these other types of things. And so, you know, she is a very healthy person. You know, if you're looking at body composition, you know, part of what we need to look at is does the person need to lose weight from a health perspective? And, and that can be tricky. And we'll probably get into that in Q&A a little bit. But um, is, it, is it about health or is it about um, body composition? And certainly body composition can play a role, but I want to walk you through, you know, kind of the, the scenario. So like I said, you know, a couple of years ago, she came to us at 149. And, you know, as most of you know, from the private group and things of this nature, a lot of people come to us under eating and sort of need to fix that along the way. And so she, she sort of struggled with that piece. And I think this is actually fairly common in uh, performance recomp. But now I want to show you, she's been in performance recomp for a while, right? And so now we're talking about what is the next level. And if you're looking, you'll see some yellows here and there, but for the most part, what you're seeing is greens. And I think that when we're talking about performance recomp, and Becky and Carolyn can maybe comment on this also, but, um, and I should have probably introduced you guys, but but we we have two other Eat Perform coaches. I just wanted to get directly into this. Um, but Becky is the head of coaches for Eat Perform, and Carolyn is a bit of all of our right hand person. She does meal plans, um, and she's also on the adjustment team. And so, if you're a uh, long term member of Eat Perform, the adjustment team is something relatively new. But um, also a really big piece of each perform in this last year, right? And so you can see that um, she has moments where she's yellow, right? Um, and I will say that some of those moments when people are yellow are the periods where their weight typically does, you know, she's sending me memes in her journal, um, if you're watching this right now. And, um, you know, for us as coaches, you know, we get to know people really, really well. 
And so, you know, you can sort of see here that um, we're reversing her. We started her reverse in no November. And then, of course, you have, you know, all the Christmas holidays and things of this nature. And that's when, you know, weight would have started creeping up. So you see here, like on December 31st, weight would have been 153. Um, and we were up to actually over just under 162 in May, right? So um, she's down a significant amount um, in that time. And so when we started to reverse, which would have been in January, um, it brings up kind of this question, right? Is it better to reverse slow or is it better to reverse fast? Well, unquestionably, the answer is reverse fast, right? And you go, wait a second, you know, that doesn't seem right. I'm getting food. Aren't I going to gain weight? If you're a longtime meat performer, you know, that's not really how it works. But what does tend to happen is kind of these moments of indiscretion will sort of add up. And so like when you see that she's at 153 in December, seems logical, right? I mean, it's over the holidays, weight's going to creep up. You're, you're seeing enough yellows to know that that's probably when things are, are coming in. I think people do kind of need to be a little bit honest about themselves. But at the end of the day, when you end a fat loss cycle at 148, 149 and you're right now, as an example, I'm just going to refresh. So we go back to the main screen and she's right now at 152. That's a really good result, right? Um, we're in February. We were 153 on December 31st. Had little to do with her macros going up. But like I said, if your macros are going up faster, then we're better. If you look her macros are relatively low. And let's take a look. It's like her calorie averages on like super days are like 2000. I would say her calorie average is probably in the neighborhood of about 1850 to 1900 as we're still kind of um, growing some of these macros. Well, you see why, right? If you look at what the adjustment team, if you kind of want to know the, the inner workings, um, I don't have any problem telling you, right? So as the adjustment team, as Carolyn and Becky are looking at your file or sending it to me eventually, um, if there's like a, a special need, um, what they're basically doing is that if you're weight stable, they're going to add food. Well, that's the problem with kind of, you know, coming out of fat loss and immediately jumping into cheesecake and beer mode, right? And I'm not saying that's what happened in this situation, but you can obviously see that as the holidays go, um, things started to creep up a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, we were just under, we, we, we set, you know, being under 150 as a goal and um, we got it, right? But even as we were working towards that goal, I was explaining to her, her the whole time that we really do need to allow for some uh, fluctuation as we go. So that sets the scene for 
okay, what comes next, right? So we've, we've reversed, we started reversing in November, here it is end of February. So we're looking at four months. She, like I said, is 5'3". There's certainly a scenario at 5'3", where genetically 150 might be a perfectly fine weight for her. And some of people's want to be a specific weight is what causes them to make short-term adjustments, right? And short-term panics or short-term, you know, moments of, of, you know, under eating. What happens in those instances, it sort of breaks the experiment, right? And so what we're ultimately trying to do is, you know, let's say that 130 was her goal. And I'm certain it's possible that, and, and this is actually one of the first questions that, that we have, and I'll go into that in depth as well, but it's certainly possible she could be 130. But if we're having a diet, like I said, you know, we're four months into um, an AP cycle, we're, or I'm sorry, a performance cycle, and, and calories are still relatively low, kind of on purpose. Um, once we decide what we want to do, right? So let's say that she said, well, my goal is 130. I will totally coach her away from that as a goal, right? Um, we will be focused much more on, you know, 145 and then 140. I suspect in this situation that we would need at least two fat loss cycles um, so that the uh, client can get down 15 pounds. So if she's 152 right now, she would end up at 137. So really when I look at 137, I'm kind of looking at um, that as a goal we're, we're aiming for, right? And when I look at the weight in terms of fluctuation and things of this nature, I don't think it's going to be vastly different from this scenario. I think when we end fat loss, what's going to happen is at 137, we're probably going to have to, you know, set kind of a three to five pound fluctuation. I've talked about this over and over again. Um, any ED performers that's been around for a while knows this. So she'll, she should end up, you know, expecting to be 142 at some point, right? Now, there are scenarios, as an example, where if she is following the plan, you know, that this is actually one of the things that's interesting. Um, if we were going to start, right now we're at month four, I would want to start around month six, um, partially because we're going to have to move calories up a little bit more, which probably means that she'll have to look at activity and things of this nature to stay weight stable, which uh, unfortunately in this situation, we don't really have steps, right? But we can sort of get away with, you know, having someone be a little bit more conscious. So for her situation, if we were going to look at um, doing another cut um, and, and 
and I want to kind of come back to the 130 scenario, right? 130 is really a wish, right? It's not an actual goal. An actual goal is a plan and then all the things that you need to do to get to that plan, right? And so if we wanted to say have 130 as a goal, we would really want to do one fat loss cycle and then we would want to, you know, go through recomp again. We'd probably stay away from uh, uh, the holidays, you know, or getting near the holidays and probably do it after the holidays the next time. But that would be the path to going to say 130, right? Um, where you're having kind of these longer diet breaks. Intention, I'm intentionally moving things a little bit slow, partially because I've seen behavior where, you know, um, things can kind of go the wrong way, right? And so we want to make sure that the, the foundations that she learned in fat loss are continuing into performance, and we're certainly seeing that. Okay, now let's go through how we would determine whether or not, and this actually gets a little bit into the question that we were going to talk about um, earlier. I think we might have, okay, so we have some people asking in chat questions, so we'll adjust those towards the end. So let's say that we get to the first level and we're right that 137 to 142 range. And there is seemingly, you know, she's able to control her calories more. Um, there's not, you know, um, too many distractions. You know, you're always going to have some level of distractions. And let's say that in that process, weight starts to creep up a little bit more than say three to five pounds. Well, that would be a sign that genetically her body might not want to be at 140, right? Now that doesn't mean that she can't be at 140, but what it does mean is that it's going to be a lot more difficult, right? And we do see that, right? Because a lot of times, you know, you'll, you can base things off of height, you can base things off of you know, a lot of different things. But when you look at your grandmother, you know, and she carries most of her hips in, in her waist and has kind of um, stronger, thicker legs, you know, it's not uncommon to have, you know, a five, three female um, at, at that weight. Right. So that's just something to kind of consider as you go. Um, and so, uh, the path to 130, once again, we'll use the same filters, you know, is weight coming up, you know, too quickly as we're gradually moving. Now, like I said, what would be my preference? My preference is to move things up faster, right? Because what happens when you move things up faster is you can get to that normalized number better. But clients don't tend to like to move up faster, right? Um, because we're all, what, scared of, you know, food going up too fast and gaining weight. Really, that's not a thing. You know, we've, we've seen it. We have some clients that, that are very comfortable, do a great job, um, 
moving all the way back to normal very quickly, right? A lot of, you know, um, you know, CrossFitters that CrossFit, you know, three or four times a week, maybe three to five times a week. Those are the types of people that are like, I need more food. I need more food. You know, um, not everyone is in the scenario where they're more comfortable at the lower calories. And I talked about this in the last podcast, and I think it's really interesting for a lot of you to consider is that when your calories are lower, your expectations, you know, tend to also lower, right? And so, you know, if you miss the gym, no big deal, right? If you're, um, you know, going through a, a difficult personal time, right? You don't have to worry about, you know, fitting in all these other pieces that help you, you know, control your weight. I mean, there's no question that if you're running marathons each day, it is going to have an impact on weight. But more often than not, those people tend to under eat for what they do. And so that's how I'm going to end this file is that when we look at, you know, where people want to be may not be genetically where they're supposed to be. And so we try to keep that in mind. And of course, you know, what we're trying to do is, is build muscle in this process, right? And, um, you know, a lot of the times what you're going to see as, as people are sitting at, at 150, you know, they might've had to go to 130 to see muscle before. And now at 140, you know, she can have a, like a strong two pack, four pack. All right. So Carolyn, why don't you walk me through any questions or, or something like that, but I'm going to stop sharing so we can see questions related to this specific file. To that specific file, you would like questions because your questions are coming in that are kind of general. So it's more like related to their situation and not related to this situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we can move on. Um, so I, I did talk about this a little bit and we'll do the, the Q and a afterwards. Um, we'll kind of address some of that after, um, this next part. So we had a, a, a client and similar to this situation who has really kind of been in fat loss, you know, more than PR for almost two years, right? And they are a for a, a woman, she's very tall, right? Um, she's five nine. And so she uh, she through the periods of fat loss, right? Um, she's really not allowing her body to kind of function the way that the body wants to work. But as, as I was looking at the file, it sort of reminded me of me and my situation. So um, when I first started what ultimately became Eat to Perform, you know, I was really focused on body fat percentage. And so um, once I got down from 255 to 149, um, there was a lot of negative things that I wasn't being completely honest with myself about where stress wise, you know, I mean, yeah, I was eating a lot. I was working out a lot. 
Um, but stress wise, I had like a tick in my left eye and, and things of this nature. And so once I was done with um, dieting, I sat at about 155 for, I would say, a year and a half. And, and that was fine. Um, but there was things were sort of sort of staying the same. Right. Um, and in that process, I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to see more muscle. I kind of want to build more muscle. I wasn't necessarily looking to stay small. Now, you know, obviously from a male female perspective, many women want to be smaller, right? Um, they don't necessarily want to, um, have kind of the muscles of a CrossFit games athlete and things of this nature. So, you know, a lot of times that'll differ. It, there's all different types of people in the spectrum, right? More often than not, people will tell you that they want to gain weight or, uh, gain muscle and lose weight. And then you ask them what the percentage of it is. And they said, well, 97% lose weight, right? And 3% gain muscle, right? And uh, that's part of the problem with the whole issue, right? But genetically, I was sort of sitting, I started my dieting career at 185. And my goal, you know, 20 something years ago was to get down to 175, you know, and obviously, like I just said, I got all the way down to 149. But what started to happen from the 155 is that you started to see a little bit of creeping, right? And I would sort of do what many of you did, you know, or do in that situation where I would, you know, grasp on to the 155 with all I could, right? And eventually I decided to allow myself to be 165, right? Um, and, you know, just to kind of give you the, the, the short um, of the story is right now I weigh 199, right? And let me just tell you a little bit of the story of the 199. And this is a little bit of the story of the person that I was talking about. If you look at pictures, she sent us pictures in her file. She looks fine, right? Um, I mean, could she lose a little bit of weight? Sure. But having weight being her North Star probably isn't as big of a deal as she thinks it is. And the reason why is similar to my situation. Um, Becky, did you raise your hand? Okay. Um is when I allowed myself, so, so basically the, the reason why I went from 165 to, to 185 and then ultimately a little bit higher is because that's the only real way to put on muscle, right? So from 165 to 185, I moved to more powerlifting and then eventually moved to more bodybuilding. In that process, I gained 20 pounds of muscle, right? And I had already gained you know, a significant amount of muscle in the time where I started to kind of lift weights and, and, and do these things. If you've seen that three picture of me at, at um, the, the middle picture and the picture on the right, I'm 162 pounds, 
I have so much more muscle than that guy, right? Um, and so as you're building this muscle, you know, as you're giving your body these long diet breaks, you know, you're going to get to a place where you can um, see more muscle. Now, am I as lean as I normally would be? I wouldn't say lean is necessarily my North Star, right? My North Star is kind of health, work capacity, things of this nature. And I might eventually want to see more of my muscles, but like literally my wife says this to me probably once every two to three days, she'll walk up behind me. She'll put her hands around my back and go, you literally look like you're wearing a muscle suit. Right. And then every time she says that I don't want to diet anymore. Right. And, and so I think that a lot of what we can become imprisoned by right? Is this thought process of what we think we should be as compared to, um, you know, what our body is telling us. Doesn't mean she should never do fat loss again, but, you know, this is when we will have those discussions with all of you about, hey, what's the real thing we're working towards right now? Like, why is weight loss and why is being 120 at you know, five, six for a female. Why is that so important, right? Because if it's so important, it gets to a point where it's not helpful at that point, right? So just some perspective. I wanted to, to give, you know, her situation without busting her out. So I busted myself off. How about that? Um, all right. So Carolyn, can you um, try to take a look at, you know, the more advanced questions as we go. And then we'll start to try and address that since we're starting to get a lot of questions. Um, Becky, and while you're doing that, Becky, do you have anything to add? Because obviously as the, as the, the, you know, my right-hand person, you know, you see a lot of this and you see a lot of people that are banging their head against you know, this, this weight that maybe they had pre-pregnancy, but now they have a lot more muscle. Maybe they work out differently, right? Do you have any thoughts on that real quick? I mean, for that matter, myself, I'm the exact same way that, you know, I mean, I've had seven kids, but I have worked out for years and I'm not super fond of fat loss just because it makes me not a very nice person. And Paul would rather that I not diet. <laughs> just for his own personal being patient. <laughs> but, but I, I, I do think, I do think like your situation is kind of interesting because one, whenever you're pregnant, you're going to gain weight. Like if you've seen pictures of Cara Saunders, the, the CrossFit games athlete, you know, she's five, three, I think she's around one fifty five right now or something. You know, but she is jacked. Right. Well, a lot of the time what, you know, you wouldn't allow your body to do because you wanted to stay a certain weight. You naturally have to because of pregnancy, right? And so women will put on a lot of muscle, you know, in that instance. And I think a lot of us have like preconceived notions about what we should weigh and why, when in reality, like in my situation, you know, really kind of 185 was a number that I kept getting close to. And then if you put on 20 pounds of muscle on top of that, 
you know, it really kind of points to the fact that you should be hired, but I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, pretty much what Paul is saying that, you know, our whole point, not that everyone has to lift weights because you don't, I've actually looked at a couple of things this morning already with people and, you know, well, I don't want to lift weights. I don't want to do, you know, whatever some of these other people are doing. And I always tell everyone, it's all about doing what you enjoy doing. And sometimes that's just living life. And we still have to have fuel to do that, which is what our point is that we can't always diet because if we always diet this, I have looked deeply into this file that Paul is talking about and we just can't diet all the time and expect for our bodies to do what they're supposed to do. And I mean, this female does work out. She does do some CrossFit and things and that's what she likes to do. But at the end of the day, she still wants to undereat most of the time. We can't always do that. We do want to normalize calories sometimes and I promise it will work. I personally, I gained some weight over the last couple of years because I was having thyroid issues. Once I got those figured out, I started to do some fat loss cycles. I was pretty successful. And then all of a sudden I wasn't, but it was because I had spent too much time in the dieting cycle. And now then I've spent the last, I don't know, four months at normalized calories. And I will continue to do that for several months before I go into another fat loss cycle. But the point is that we just want to be successful at life. My North Star is the exact same thing as Paul's is. I just want to be healthy. I just want to be there for my kids. I just want to be able to be active as I age and to do it gracefully. And I have little kids because I, you know, even though I'm a little bit older, I still have young kids. And so I have a long time to go toward this. And I want to be able to live my life with my children. And someone else's North Star might be different. And that's fine. It's our job as coaches to make sure that we help you along in whatever your goals are. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, right? So a lot of people will often think that, you know, we have judgments when you go into fat loss, right? That we're eating before them and we want you to eat all the time. We actually don't. Um, we totally get that that people want these these goals, but we want to set them up in a way that allows them to be the most successful, right? And so as coaches, we've definitely learned that, you know, if somebody's going over dieting cycle, dieting cycle, dieting cycle, but you know, mentally, you kind of need to get them to the to the place. We might say, put them in a mini cut at that point and say, look, I don't think you're going to really be successful, but I get that you might need this at this moment. And then when they aren't successful, we can say, okay, now let's take the longer approach, right? So that's part of the give and take that we kind of do. All right, Carolyn, hit me with some questions. Okay, so related to the file, um, Jody's asking, approximately how long and how much coaching did it take for her to really let go of the goal number for her weight? She feels like um, that can be the hardest part, making the switch to the eat, eat to perform mindset. Uh, never. Um, she, she, I don't recall ever having a situation where I talked to her about, you know, any specific weight. Um, the goal, 
the goal as a you know for me as a coach is really just to get you focused on um, goals that you can hit. You know, I, I mean, to be honest with you, um, my, any any person that's been working with me, which they would have had to be <laughs> a long term e perform client, um, will tell you that I, I just don't focus a lot on wish weight weight. You know, like I had a client actually bring this up to me the other day. And uh, she said, you know, uh, I was really hoping to be 150 by 50. Do you think we can get to that weight in the next eight weeks? Well, I spent the last year and a half kind of fixing some, some things that were sort of broken, right? And actually her last fat loss cycle, which you know, would have been a year ago, you know, um, we waited a full year to kind of recuperate and, and now she's down 12 pounds, right? So she's down 12 pounds, but she's at 169, right? We're not getting another 20 pounds, right? We, we just, we just fixed the problem from before where they weren't losing any weight. And then they go ahead and lose 12 pounds. Like, just go ahead and thank me for the miracle, right? You know, um, but like I said to her, I said, I think 159.9 is a reasonable goal. She lost 12 pounds in phase one, right? So we still do have phase two, right? And I just tell, tell her, you know, some of this, this is interesting. This is an interesting question. Some of this is effort, folks, Right. And at the end of the day, this is why we make the cycle shorter, right? Because the goal is the most effort possible in the shortest amount of time. And sometimes that makes people put, pull their foot off the gas once they move to recomp. You still have to kind of keep those foundations in place because obviously you want to keep um, the progress that you made, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you're trying to lose significant weight, you know, you're talking about an extreme amount of effort, right? And you can't like go into it thinking, well, you know, a couple number changes here, a couple steps here. No, it's much bigger than that, right? And then you have to allow yourself to, to reacclimate. And that's the problem that I see, especially, you know, You've got a five, six female who um, is able to diet down to 120 pounds um, or let's, let's say 118. And they become obsessed about the 118 that, you know, it doesn't really allow them to do what's the most healthful thing moving forward. And like I said, you know, muscle does kind of add weight. If you add five pounds of muscle, in performance. Well, your number's no longer 120, it's 125, right? So I would say the answer is kind of different than maybe you thought it would be. But, but at the end of the day, your coach is being coached to have you focus on those short-term goals because those long-term goals are distractions. But, but we've literally never had that conversation about what her wish weight would be. 
Uh, Chris is asking, once I lose all the weight um, that he wants, um, will I still cycle through the phases over and over? I wouldn't say over and over, but you might be looking at some level of weight management. So I'll give you an example. Recently, like I said, you know, I, because of the muscle that I gained because of, um, and I do want to talk a little bit about that. Um, and so it will be something that I will address before this is over, but I am on hormone replacement, right? So I do take, um, testosterone. And so when I started taking testosterone, part of the reason, uh, part of the, uh, thought process was that I wouldn't be dieting in that process. So that's why, you know, my weight is right at 200 and that, that ceiling is 200. Well, you know, I did get above 200. I got actually 205 and then did kind of a cut. If you, you know, I, I don't even remember when it was, but I think it was like six months ago and I was walking people through, what it was like. And, and I lost, you know, 10 pounds. Um, mm. and so in that process, I've, you know, oh, we got to turn this is mute. Um, in that process, um, the, uh, you know, I've gained, you know, two to three, but I fluctuate. Like when I was in Charleston, I was, I was actually lower than my lowest from the mini cut to kind of keep, that in mind but will you stay in performance recomp no right you will eventually have to manage your weight one way or the other or you you know will start to kind of stay the same body comp but add muscle and I would say it's very rare for someone to just performance recomp it I mean scientifically yes it's possible I would say reality is you should kind of prepare yourself. Like for me, you know, I look at it every five years, right? I've talked about this before. You know, I started, you know, the, the, I kind of finished up my dieting process that ended up being needed to perform around when I was 40. Um, I just talked about the fact that like I struggled with that piece very early on. Um, and that's when I came up with the idea of, of, um, allowing myself to reevaluate every five years in between that time, I might do some mini cuts here and there, but for the most part, you know, I'm focused more on health than I am a specific weight. I have something to add there, excuse me, <clears throat> but I just looked at a file with somebody and she maintains 112 to 115 or so. And over the holidays then, and vacations and things like that over the course of the last six or eight months or so, it is tr her way to trend it up to 116 to 118. And those are the scenarios that he's talking about that you have to manage your weight sometimes. And it's more, she could have stayed weight stable, I'm sure, except, and we're not saying by any means that we don't expect you to live life. That's what we're all about. We want you to live life. But my recommendation to this client when I looked at it was, okay, let's just run a mini cut because we really are only looking for a few pounds to get her back down to where she's comfortable. So even in her scenario, then no, she wouldn't stay in PR the entire time. We have to manage her weight occasionally. And so you can manage it when you get to where you want to be, 
by just running many cuts, you know, every now and then, like Paul said, he looks at it every five years and does an act or so and does an actual fat loss cycle, but he does run many cuts every now and then just to kind of manage his weight, get it back down to what he's comfortable with due to weekends off, vacations, holidays, things like that. It happens to us all. Yeah. I mean, one of the best transformations kind of in the history of eat reform was one of the very early, early clients. Um, and I've, you know, been able to get her to buy into this long process where, you know, she's going full years in performance recomp, but mentally she does, even though, even though she's abbed up, even though, you know, every time people see her, she's like, wow, you know, what a great job you've done. We still do mentally kind of have to kind of reset. And I think everybody's sort of different in that regard. But if we stay, if we stay resolute to your diet, you're not dieting more than you're dieting, then I think it's okay. Right. And so her periods are, you know, one year at a time. And I think that's fine. You know, but as a coach, it's up to me to say, you know, and we're actually coming up. It's kind of funny. We're coming up to uh, one of the times where uh, she's actually looking to cut. Um, and now she's sort of getting cold feet. And now I'm having to talk her into cutting. So if you think that, um, you know, I'm someone that never wants people to cut and always wants what? people to be in performance, um, it's just not true. All right, Carolyn, keep it, keep them coming. Okay, so Becky was just addressing a client that is um, of smaller weight. So Tammy was asking to, um, she's under five feet and uh, let's say she has, she has a goal weight of 102. Three to five pounds is a lot bigger percentage um, of her weight for a fluctuation. So she's asking about fluctuations, what's to be expected um, when you're of a smaller size to begin with. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. But um, the client I was talking about in chat said, there is no number in my head, maybe the first year, but that's not a thing for me anymore. And the longer I do this, eat form, more I realize how trivial that number is. My body has changed tremendously through this process. Okay. So while yes, the, the percentage for you is higher, um, it, being five feet tall or even under five feet does not necessarily mean that three to five pounds, um, it, you know, puts you in the obesity category, right? Um, what we're really talking about, especially in situations like yours, the, you, you would be one of the situations that I think are the most difficult mentally, right? Because the two situations that are most difficult mentally are people that are five feet or under, right? Who kind of get these preconceived notions about what they should weigh, right? Based on maybe some reality, maybe some not reality. And then the other is the other way. Five, 10, six feet tall women who, you know, maybe want to be 150, right? Um, when realistically, you know, them being, you know, up close to, you know, like I just said, I'm, I'm 200, I'm 5'9". Um, 
if you're six feet tall, you have every right to be 200 pounds, right? But but that's one of those numbers that as a woman, you know, you'll have a stigma about it, right? And maybe maybe other people have given you bad information. You know, what I see with like, especially athletic, taller women is that they've gotten a lot of bad information over the years, right? So if they're basketball coach or volleyball coach or something like this, you know, who really doesn't understand the science of this, right? Like the, the person that's coaching you, even on a college level, it would shock you how little they know, right? I, I was working with some people over at the University of Minnesota for a while, and it was just so, so enlightening, you know, of, of just how they didn't really know. So I think you still do have to kind of get away from those preconceived notions um, about what you're supposed to weigh. If I was in your situation, I would certainly say, I want to allow my ceiling. This goes back to what I was talking about of you're not going to build muscle if you don't allow yourself to weigh a little bit more eventually. So in your situation, I think, you know, having a ceiling of 110, right, going similar to what we were talking about with the file, where you go six months where you allow your weight to fluctuate anywhere from 105 to 110, because it sounds like you're kind of holding on to your 102 and, and now you're saying three to five pounds is a lot. Um, you're, you're certainly not obese, right? At, at 110 pounds, right? So if, you're, if your real goals are to be as lean as possible, you know, part of that experimentation process is going to allow muscle to build as you go. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, Deb has a question. Um, in a fat loss cycle, you will lose some muscle and in PR, you will gain some fat. What is an acceptable percentage of these undesirable losses and gains? So I don't think of it in terms of percentages, but if I did think of it in percentages, I would say two to 3%, right? So um, if we were looking at muscle loss, I would say one to 2%. The way we do it, it, you know, this is, this is one of the things that we should be shouting to the, to the skies, right. Is that people don't lose muscle, right. Doing either form, not in any significant way. Right. You'll see people losing with other programs, three to 5% of, of their muscle, you know, just being in these long prolonged dieting cycles. And then they end up, you know, I wish there was a better word for it, but it's skinny fat, right? Um, and so um, in terms of gaining, you know, fat or whatever, um, I would say two to 3%, anything more than that, you know, it kind of comes back to that effort piece. And, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly the last person that's going to be, you know, telling you to beast mode up or anything like this. If it ends up being you know, let's say four to 5% and you kind of let things go a little bit. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened, right? I mean, you know, once again, we're really looking at the best long-term health equation. And part of that is your mental health also. So having that flexibility, you know, um, even if uh, your body fat percentage drifts up 5%, we just don't see that, right? Not in, Not if the person is really serious about body comp, right? Certainly there's people that use fat loss and they're very disciplined in fat loss, 
but they don't learn the lessons of the foundations that they need from fat loss as they go into to performance recon, right? The only difference between the fat loss cycle and performance recon cycle is that you start adding in more foods that, that you like and fit your goals, right? I mean, people would be so disappointed at how boring, you know, my performance recon cycles are, right? So like 300 of my calories come from Vitargo, right? Which isn't ice cream. It's not fun. You know, I, I do it with my creatine, you know, but that's, that's what it's like when you're goal focused. Now, here is the advantage. Um, the advantage um, is that uh, you, when you do eat more flexibly, like when I was in Charleston, like I said, I lost weight, right? Um, and, and why did I lose weight? Well, because I couldn't control my macros the way that I normally would. So when eating, you know, 3,500 normally, you know, naturally I was kind of under eating because of the, the food choices and things of that nature. And so, um, but yeah, it's going to be mostly boring, but it does allow for flexibility when those times that you do eat flexibly and, you know, that's really important, right? Because, you know, if you're, this was not your first diet and for most of you, it probably wouldn't have been, you know, what you probably remember from when you would go to vacation is that a lot of people regret vacation, right? Because they're eating 1200 calories just to get to bikini weight. And then they, they have that bikini weight for like five hours, right? Because when the margaritas and the nachos show up and they go home and they find out they're up five to six pounds, the reason why they're up five to six pounds is because of the bikini weight, right? Trying to lose all that weight and be, and we, this is one thing that we, we struggle with, you know, we, even, even the best of all of you, all of you with the best mindsets possible, the minute you book, <laughs> you book that vacation three weeks later, where you're going to have a bikini on, can I cut? And our answer is going to be no, right? Because it's just a bad idea, you know, and, and we'll 100% you know, let's schedule it for after. Right. And that's, that's what we do. And that's how we coach. you. There's a couple questions, Paul, in regards to um, how, how exercise plays a role. So for instance, um, if someone was going from two workouts a day, and then going down to one workout a day, do they need to decrease their current macros in order to maintain weight? There's a couple fearful gaining weight back. So we will never do that, just so you know, right? We're never going to take away your runway, you know, because you quit working out a little bit, right? We will work towards a fat loss cycle, but you're probably then kind of moving over to the part where you would be building muscle, right? And so I would be a little concerned at what you're talking about is, you know, kind of earning food, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, workouts aren't as big a deal as you think, you know? 
Um, I can tell you as someone like through my weight loss, um, yes, I was working out two to three times a day, sometimes mostly two times. Um, but they were hours at a time. Right. And I was eating 5,000 calories a day. And, you know, certainly, you know, I never had to adjust drastically, you know, from what, where would you be 2,400 to 2,200? That's just not how your body works, right? Your body's going to adapt to it relatively quickly and possibly put you in a position to, to gain that muscle. But no, it, I mean, Becky, how many times do we do that where we pull somebody's calories down just a little bit, right? Never. We you know, don't. If we don't do it. You know, the, what I tell people is that you can't discount the role that metabolism plays in what it is that we right. do. I, right. I, I mean, I that multiple times a week. Now, just so you know, we used to do, right? Um, but what we found was it never really accomplished what the person wanted, right? Because what the person wanted was either to stay weight stable or whatever. And we, we could keep them weight stable at, at the higher calories, right? Like I said, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, <laughs> the only Zoom where it's acceptable to eat on camera. That's funny. How are we doing, Carolyn? Okay. Um, Feed me. Feed the beast. Somebody is struggling. Belinda is struggling with migraines. And sometimes hunger triggers her migraines. So what can she do to curb this when going into fat loss? So there's way too many specifics. So going into fat loss, um, there's just a lot of specifics. It's really a doctor question. So I, I, I would not want to answer it. Okay. Um, so what about when, is there a maintenance Oh, but phase? hold on one second. But I wouldn't go into fat loss. Um, With migraines. I wouldn't go into fat loss until you get a clear understanding from a doctor, right? Because the migraines are a result of a stressful situation. It doesn't seem to me, so dieting is stress, right? It's stress that you're intentionally putting on to your body so that you get a specific result, right? And that result is fat oxidation. Well, building stress on stress on stress is just going to make things more difficult. So I would try to solve the migraine thing first. Okay. So a couple questions re related to each other. How is goal weight determined? And is there a maintenance phase while you just want to push and build, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, so that's the whole role of the adjustment team, right? I mean, go ahead, Carolyn, tell them what we do, right? How, how are we determining bumps and how are we determining whether someone stays? So we have, a, when we look at your file, we're looking to see um, if you're hitting your macros. Um, so if you're staying within your range and if your weight is stable, then we, that is when we are going to bump you and we're going to hold you if you're not. Um, and if you're, if your weight isn't stable, but I think a person does eventually become happy with where they are. And I think that's where the question is, is, you know, what do we do at that point when, when you're happy to be whatever weight it is that you are or whatever leanness you are, 
um, so if I, a, a person would go into performance recomp is, is, is where they would be, or we can kind of hold them. But we are trying at. to maintain weight, but mm -hmm. maintenance, I say this all the time and Susan hates it. Um, maintenance does not exist, right? Because I can show you file after file after file that when effort is combined with macros, you know, people can lose weight, right? Um, and so if you get your head on, you know, some kind of maintenance number, right? Because this is what happens with a lot of dieting programs that try to sound similar to Eat to Perform. What ends up happening is, is their clients, most, most of them are, you know, kind of doing their own thing. Um, you know, some, some RDs do it right, right? But even like RDs aren't typically dealing with like 5,000 clients, right? We get to see so much more than most people do. But when you change one thing, you've changed that maintenance number, right? And when we talk about metabolism, when we talk about, you know, you can't say that adding, um, I don't, I thought everybody was muted, um, but keep an eye on that. But, but you can't change one thing like calories in without it affecting calories out, right? And so, so once again, I kind of get the fear based in your question of, hey, I want to play it cautiously. I literally just talked about the fact that I would rather you go faster, but we do what Carolyn says because we're playing it cautiously for you, not for me. I know that faster is better. I've seen it happen file after file after file, right? But from your, it's not just, a, it's not just physical health, right? We're also kind of having a mental health discussion also, right? And so that's why we do things the way that, that we do it. But once again, it's client specific. There's many clients that will say, hey man, you know, take the reins off um, and, and just get me to where, you know, I know how I function better, right? I mean, I have a great example. She's actually a coach, but she's been a client of mine for a long time. And um, she, she has gone through a process of years of experimentation. And she just said to me, and it was just like almost brought tears to my eyes, honestly. It was, I, was so, I was so proud of her, but I was so proud of us also, right? Was that, you know, she at one point, was 15 pounds lower than where she is now. Now, I'm just going to tell you, she's ripped, like ripped, ripped, you know, um, at the weight that we're talking about now, where it's 15 pounds higher. Um, and, and she's like, I'm just so happy with where I'm at, but I'm mostly happy with, you know, the food I'm consuming, how I feel and where my mental health is. Right. And that's what I think sometimes, you know, gets discounted. Um, Michelle is asking, what is a reasonable gain in weight for putting on mostly muscle? So there is no reasonable gain in weight to put on mostly muscle. Um, the, 
And the reason why I say that is because the more you weigh, the more muscle you will put on. Like as an example, um, I did not gain that 20 pounds of muscle that I spoke about until I started getting serious about putting on weight, right? Because once you put on that weight, now it allows more, more leverage against the bar. You can lift more weights. You can lift more weights longer. Well, maybe not sometimes longer. Sometimes your cardio will be affected, you know, as you go from, you know, let's say 220 to 250, right? I'm not really talking about that. Um, if we're talking about building muscle, I would start with 10 pounds, right? And once again, this is just how we do it. We're not going to ever tell you, hey, just go out and gain, you know, 20 to 30 pounds, right? That's not how I did it, right? Um, I gradually moved up and was like, yeah, I'm comfortable here. This feels like a good space. And then, of course, when you go from deadlifting 375 to, you know, you have 515 in your hands regularly, you know, you start to realize that things are working in your favor. So um, I, I would say 10 pounds, you would probably have to be comfortable gaining, I would say, seven pounds of fat. Now, that's different than the question from earlier. Remember, the person asked me how much you know, fat should you expect? And I was like, not that much. In this instance that you're describing, if you're going to gain 10 pounds, you have to be comfortable gaining up to seven pounds of fat. The difference being is that as you gain that seven pounds of fat, you go six months, you stay weight stable, and now you only have five pounds of fat. Then you go six months, you stay weight stable, now you only have three pounds of fat. That's how muscle building works. Right now, I mentioned that I would talk about this and I definitely do not want to not talk about this. So I'm going to run through this real quick. I'm not a doctor. I'm not suggesting to anyone to to get this. But there's a lot of talk in social media related to hormone replacement therapy um, or for men, testosterone replacement therapy. Hormone replacement therapy for women is almost always going to be testosterone also, right? It's going to be some level of, of that because women typically have low testosterone. And then, of course, as we age, you know, testosterone gets harder and harder for your body to, um, to, to produce, right? So when you take exogenous testosterone, your body will actually stop making it right or it decreases drastically so right now i'm going on about two years of testosterone replacement therapy and um there's kind of been this irony of it all um i want to make abundantly clear that what we do with you at eat to perform and this process of experimentation that's exactly what hormone replacement therapy is, right? Especially if you're doing it right. Now, there's different types of clinics. Um, and I know as an example, I think it's called BioT, um, which is very popular for women where it gets like inserted and released slowly. Um, you know, I, I do the needles, right? But one of the things that was really interesting um, is that 
you know, I was a little bit higher at, at one point. Um, and, and just to be clear, you know, testosterone is not steroids, right? I'm not taking like steroids level. Um, I'm not taking rhinoceros testosterone. I remember one time, you know, I have a lot of friends obviously in the industry and one of, one of my friends was a bodybuilder and he actually posted his testosterone numbers, which was close to 10,000, right? Um, I'm at about a thousand, <laughs> right? So, so, so he's taking rhinoceros testosterone um, that's like cooked up in a bathtub somewhere, right? Or maybe he does have, you know, um, all these different things. But if you take too much testosterone, the amount of what you would need to take to offset that um, would be extreme, right? What they do, so I do blood work every eight weeks. And um, in that process, we started to get a little bit concerned about kind of blood thickening, not like a bad, in a bad way, but, but it was certainly something that we started to concern ourselves with. And so um, recently we decided to decrease my dosage, right? And so my total testosterone went from, you know, 1200 or 1000 to 1200 to now 781 to 800, right? Which is probably a little low, but to be honest with you, I feel better, right? And so what I think happens a lot of the time, especially when we start talking about these types of, of medications that help hormones, you have to be open to the experimentation. And so if you're like one of these people, you know, and I, I know if you're a lifetime client of Eat to Perform, you're not one of these people, but if you're one of these people that's listening to this podcast and you've gotten this far into the podcast and, you know, you're doing a detox every 30 days, you will not get the type of experience from hormone replacement therapy. It is not something that you just stick a needle in your body and you feel better, right? Now we'll say initially you do feel a lot better because like in the case of men and even in the case of women, you will be uh, creating some testosterone. So as you add these things and for women, the panel is much more than just testosterone. And I'm trying to think, um, so I, I sometimes take uh, HCG, you know, as a recommendation from the doctor. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I don't completely understand why I take that and I don't always need it. And so if I run out and I'm not using it for two months, I don't really see like a, a major difference. And I'm just trying to think, um, you know, I do take like some grape seed, you know, for the blood thickening stuff. But like I said, my, my blood... Um, after the last panel where we decreased a little bit um, is sort of back to, to normal. It was never bad, but it was just something that I wanted, you know, that we decided would be a priority, right? So I just need you to hear that when you're saying, man, I think I need to get my hormones checked out. You got to understand that the first doctor might not even be a good fit, right? So you have to look at it sort of the way that you know, you look at your eat to perform process. Let's try this. Let's try it for a while. Let's see what happens. And then let's make adjustments from there, right? That's kind of the process that we work with. All right. 
So any other pressing questions? We're a little bit long, but not that long. So we still have a little bit more time or I don't mind. I mean, it said power hour. We're only at 114 right now. Uh, Stacy was asking, do you have any advice for hitting a training wall with aches and pains? I've been busting my ass for four months and making gains. The last few weeks, my body has been pretty sore and feels beat up. I absolutely do. Stop it. Right? Like, like, you know, if there's any one thing I've learned about building muscle is go take long periods right, where you're allowing your body to heal. And you know what it's gonna do? It's gonna, it's your biggest fear, right? If I stop working out, I'm gonna lose the will to working out. Yeah, it actually does happen. Because what happens is now you realize you don't have to work out to manage your weight, right? And so you go, wait a second, I can manage my weight, I feel better, my body feels better. And here's the best part, when you take strategic time off, you get sort of a super compensation effect. So um, it, it's sort of funny because people have all these ideas about eating form that really aren't real, right? So I am a big advocate for running, but people don't know me as being a big advocate for running because we all, you know, also lift weights, right? So a lot of people are either you're low carb or you're low fat. Well, as you know, we're balanced. If you're a runner, you don't lift weights. If you lift weights, you don't run. It's like, okay, you know, some of this stuff gets too out of line. But whatever you're doing, if you stay away from it. So when, when I was out, when I went to Charleston, we had decided to focus a little bit more on running. So we actually did not lift a weight. We didn't do a body weight workout or anything like that. And it ended up being about uh, a month and a half. So I've only lifted weights in the last couple of weeks. Well, now I'm getting sore again, right? And, and I'm seeing good pumps from workouts that would have been very easy for me two months ago, right? So you kind of get newbie gains almost again, right? Where remember when you first started working out and everything worked and you thought you were going to be like Mr. America, Miss America, you know, um, or whatever the bodybuilding equivalent, and then your body adjusts and it's like, what happened to me? That's what's happening to you. You're, you just, you just need some time off. I would at least take two weeks off, maybe focus on something differently, right? Doesn't mean that you don't work out necessarily, but can I make the case for not working out, right? Like if you enjoy paddle, uh, paddle boarding, paddle board. If you enjoy cross country skiing, don't cross country ski to beat a time, right? Just go to your local nature conservatory place and cross country ski and look for birds, right? Like we, we're all spending too much time on these things that don't matter near as much as we thought they did, right? And if we're looking at what a true health profile is, rest has to be part of it, right? Uh, I just wanna let Lori know that we have that document she was looking for sent to her. And um, Jessica, your question specific to your file, Becky's having a look at. Um, 
Melissa was asking, do coaches take into consideration age since starting Eat to Perform near the beginning? I feel like I can't eat the amount I used to and keep my weight down. So this is going to be the the last question. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do want to kind of keep these. Um, this was the first time we did it, right? We did a file review. We walked over some, some big questions that people ask, and then we took your questions. Um, Certainly, you know, we, we take into account age. Um, and, you know, I have no problem being honest with you. Of course, I'm 52, right? And, and, you know, as we work with clients that are 60, you know, they're 60, 70, whatever it ends up being, we're going to do it the same way, right? The difference being, is that, you know, we will, as we're going up, we're not going to necessarily go up as high. But I would say that you're going to have to lose some preconceived notions about what you think you can get away with and not, right? You're trying to put training wheels on related to your age. And actually, this is part of the problem with age, right? Um, once again, I'll kind of go back to the thing that I talked about earlier, and I'm not trying to be flippant when I say this, it's just the way it is. As you age, right, you're not going to necessarily want to jump in a 20 minute wad or have all of your workouts with intensity and things of this nature. So naturally, if you're pulling back on that kind of thing, you're going to have to address it with, you know, um, the, the uh, energy in part where your calories are coming in, right? Um, and I am, by the way, I am still hoping to get that picture towards the end. Um, even we've got 51, that would be way, way impressive, um, the way it looks on gallery. Um, but the way that we would address it, would be typically after a fat loss cycle. So in your reverse, we're just gonna, like I said, go up a little bit slower. We're gonna be conscious of that. In terms of you gaining weight, you know, we, you can't address specifics like that in this situation, right? Um, but once again, you know, there's a lot of things that can 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 factor into stuff. I, you know, I have an, a great example of a woman who is late 60s. She's been with me for eight years. I actually did a podcast on her recently. Um, she's now 45 pounds, right? Um, and uh, I routinely get her to 35, 4,000 calories, but she, she does a lot of long endurance, right? So a lot of what you think you can get away with or you can't, you know, you got to test that hypothesis. You, you know, I think it's based in a lot of assumptions, you know, not saying it's wrong, right? Because like I said, as you get older, you know, some of it is want. We're all a little bit different, right? My, my runner, you know, she's, she's willing to push herself differently than, than maybe you would be, or I would be right. Um, I it said in the running podcast about her, right? Um, that runners are gangster, 
you know, maybe you don't want to be gangster. I know I don't want to be gangster. I just want to live like a life where I can eat relatively flexibly. But I'm 52 and I eat anywhere from, you know, 3,000 on a low day to 3,500. Um, and, you know, I've been sitting at this weight for like two years, right? So um, we do have to lose the fear of, you know, um, gaining weight, right? But we also have to lose the fear. You know, I'm, I was just trying to think of a scenario recently where um, the fear is not the three pounds you're up. The fear is that the 50 pounds are coming back and that's not reality, right? Did, did that, that make sense to you, Carolyn and Becky, right? Like, I think we all have that fear that, you know, we're not going to, um, well, here's another point. If you undereat as you age, you are putting yourself in a much more vulnerable position, especially if you're a woman, right? You're going to be much more susceptible to bone density issues, uh, nutrient deficiencies, all these different things. You can take all the vitamins you want, right? But at the end of the day, you know, their volume matters, right? And then when you adjust that volume and you adjust it down or you adjust it down extremely, now you're really starting to mess with the energy out component and be honest with you, you're shortening your lifespan, right? So you have to keep that in mind. That two to three pounds, maybe not that big of a deal, right? Your body is actually conditioned to want to grow and you sort of, you know, have to get in the way every now and again. But if your body's growing, it does not necessarily mean that um, it's always bad for health, right? Especially as you age, you know, having a little bit of a thicker fat layer actually serves as protection for your organs. It serves as protection for your um, your bones and things of that nature. And so you got to kind of keep that in mind. You know, especially as you get over sixty, having a little thicker fat layer, right? Over sixty, as an example, if you're really lean, you're also putting yourself in 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 a position where you can kind of overdo it and put yourself to more susceptible to small fractures and things of this nature that you know the big one is obviously hips right you know where people kind of break a hip because of bone density issues and stuff like that so you know having carrying a little bit more fat you know let's say two to three percent not that big of a deal and if you're let's say 170 pounds 3% is going to be five, six pounds, not that big a deal. Right. So really does come more about health. And I would say after 60, if you were to ask me what's more important, how much you weigh or how much you eat, I think it tilts to how much you eat. Right. Um, just in terms of lifespan. Okay. So I'm going to take a picture real quick with everybody, but we're going to go ahead and end the podcast. I appreciate everybody being here, lots of great questions. You know, we really want to use this for, um, you know, more of your advanced questions and, and everyone did a great job um, getting me those, right? You know, it's not your standard 
you know, well, you know, go ahead and, and uh, pre-plan the day before, right? And it's not your typical type stuff, which by the way, I still do. And so does probably everybody else on this phone call because it's just so much easier, right? So I appreciate everybody being here and hang out. I just want to take a picture and then I'll let everybody go. Talk to you later.